Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. I'm just back in Dublin a couple of hours after what was obviously a very disappointing night in Madrid, going down 1-0 to Atletico Madrid. And I know we always have a podcast on a Friday. My plans for this particular episode were slightly scuppered by my own ineptitude. I brought with me to Madrid my mini Zoom recorder. It's a handy little gadget, a little gizmo, a little thingamiwatsit. It it takes good recording. So I was doing, uh, when I got there on Wednesday, recording bits and pieces. And on Thursday, the day of the game, recording some of the atmosphere. And I was going to do some interviews with fans before the game, halftime, after the game, get some previews, get some reaction, all that kind of stuff. The thing is, though, you have to make sure that you've got some batteries because... Um, This is not long before the game. We're in the stadium itself. The Arsenal fans are singing, and uh, you'll be able to hear the exact moment the batteries uh, conk out on the recorder. So that was literally... As we walked into the stadium upstairs to the Arsenal section as we were uh, heading for our seats. And because I didn't have any batteries or spare batteries with me, even though I brought them, they were in my bag back in the hotel. I then couldn't do any of the pregame interviews, the halftime, the postgame reaction and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of scuppered that particular uh, plan for this episode. So I've got something a little bit different for you. But, you know, the trip itself, I've never really spent a huge amount of time in Madrid, despite living in Barcelona for five years. I think I only went to uh, to Madrid once. But anyway, I got there on Wednesday morning, relatively early, probably around 10 o'clock, I think. Got the metro into uh, into somewhere near the center, I guess, near Plaza Colón, uh, which is close to where my hotel was. Got out of the metro and it was like, where, where is everyone? Why are all the shops closed? Is this like 28 days later? It's not, because there were a few people around. So it was like, three days later or three and a half i don't know some some percentage of 28 days later that's what it felt like it felt very very strange everything was closed there was no traffic there were no people on the streets there was the odd pharmacy open and that was kind of it it was a bit disconcerting at first because when you get off the metro in a big city like madrid you think ah Ah, it's going to be bustling. It's going to be teeming with people. There's going to be life, activity, noise, the sounds of the city. And instead, it was just like... 
still. I did find somewhere to have a lovely ham sandwich, jamón iberico, lovely, uh, with a beer and a coffee and all that kind of stuff. I have to make a confession here, folks. I went all the way to Spain, and I didn't have ham on ruffles once, nor did I bring any ham on ruffles back with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Arsenal completely discombobulated me. That's uh, that's my excuse. But anyway, Wednesday was nice. It was a lovely day. I got a bite to eat. Went to the Prado, this incredible, amazing museum filled with, I don't know, probably 10,000 pictures of the crucifixion. Now I know art historians and people who know a lot about this will, will tell me, well, you know, the crucifixion is a major theme in European art down the years. But Jesus, I mean, actually Jesus, Jesus, Christ, like uh, pictures of Jesus being nailed to the cross, pictures of Jesus on the cross, pictures of Jesus carrying the cross. Like there's a lot of crucifixion pictures there. Any variety of crucifixion picture you might want, it's there. You can find it. Gruesome ones, heavenly ones, angelic ones, brutal ones. And the whole place is just filled with these incredible pictures. Some of them are just mental, mental, like the Goya stuff, Saturn eating his own son. Like, what? what? You know, I know food wasn't as plentiful back then. You didn't have the convenience of supermarkets. There were no such thing as prepackaged, pre-made microwave dinners. But dude, like, don't eat your own children. That's, that's not a good look. I don't know what Saturn is the god of. Unless he's the god of cannibalism, in which case it makes an awful lot more sense. The god of infanticide. I don't know. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. But amazing things. Uh, Hieronymus Bosch, the Garden of Earthly Delights. That was that was really something. Uh, and I spent about an hour and a half wandering around there. And I don't think I saw 10%, 15% of what's in there. It's uh, It's incredible stuff. And all very cultural, of course. I felt very cultured afterwards. I don't normally do museums and stuff, but I felt, given I was there and I was at a loose end, I should probably uh, do more with my time than, you know, just sit on a terrace drinking beer. Uh, So then it's the day of the game. That was a lovely day. We had some drinks on a rooftop rooftop bar in uh, Plaza Santa Ana. I think that was nice. Went to the game. The stadium, I have to say, the Wanda Metropolitano is an impressive, impressive stadium. I really liked it. Uh, not so much, you know, being held back in afterwards, but but certainly uh, the, the arena itself is really great. The atmosphere was fantastic. The Atletico fans, they made a hell of a lot of noise. A lot of noise. And you can understand why, but throughout, from the first whistle, they were behind their team and making noise and whistling when we had it and cheering. And, you know, they were they were really loud, made a lot of noise, waved a lot of flags. There was a coordination to the uh, to the singing and the uh, the songs and everything else. Uh, it just reverberated around the stadium. It's it's lovely and steep as well, which I think is great in a stadium. It's a big round bowl, but it's steep. Uh, the lights were good. I tell you what, though. Before the game, to get people wound up, obviously they've got this uh, one end where all their, I guess, ultras or whatever are, lots of flags, and they were making a lot of noise. But to get people wound up for the game, they play Thunderstruck by ACDC. And there's a sort of a light show when it goes ding, ding, the lights flash in time with that. And while it's not necessarily my favorite song in the world, Thunderstruck, it occurred to me that in this day and age, as you're trying to build atmosphere through through music before the games, rather than let things develop organically, that seems to have gone out the window. You, you must have music. Thunderstruck by ACDC is a much better song to get you up for a game than the fucking wonder of you. Oh, I mean, what a difference. 
This was like, ding, ding, and everyone's like, oh, come on. Compared to the wonder of you, which of course would put you asleep. As soon as you hear it, it's so boring and dreary and miserable. You know, how's anybody, how's anybody supposed to get up for a game when you're playing that bag of shite beforehand? Uh, the one thing I would say, though, about the stadium and uh, the view that we had as Arsenal fans, we were behind a gigantic net. And, you know, it made it difficult to see what was going on on the pitch. After a while, your eyes kind of adjust, kind of but not really, you know, you're always looking through this mesh and it's hard on the eyes and you can't really see where the ball is going. And, you know, when you compare the, uh, the way the uh, European fans are treated when they come to the Emirates, for example, they get a lovely space in the ground, on the ground floor, a whole corner to themselves. They're not fenced in. They don't have a net in front of them. They don't have perspex or anything like that. It's in stark contrast to the way that fans of English clubs are treated when they go abroad. I remember the same kind of thing at Villarreal when we uh, when we played their gigantic net. Same at Real Madrid, gigantic net, but I don't remember the net being quite as intrusive as this one was at the uh, Wanda Metropolitano the other night. And, you know, bear in mind as well that if Arsenal had not subsidized the tickets, um, that would have been... 80 pounds or 90 pounds for that kind of a view and that can't be right really you know when you pay that kind of money for a football uh, game you want to be able to see the pitch properly not through uh, a dark net with lots of uh, thick bits in it to keep it all together and you would think you know after being uh, body searched three times maybe four times that you know they could trust fans to behave themselves to a large extent nevertheless i guess you'd say the view and the restricted view was a minor complaint in the grand scheme of things. The uh, the result on the night obviously didn't go our way. We didn't look like scoring the goal that we needed to score. And you just can't help but think that we blew it completely in the first leg. That was such a great chance to uh, to go to Madrid with a lead. And we fucked it up. We fucked it up. So there's to be no fairy tale ending for Arsene Wenger. Obviously, I would have liked for that fairy tale ending to happen. Not just for Arsene Wenger, obviously, for us. As Arsenal fans, to have a European trophy to to cheer and to celebrate because we don't have too many of those in our history. The good news, I suppose, is that we get to have another go at the Europa League next season. But look, that's football. The company was good, the beers were good, the food was good, the football wasn't so great, but hey... It's all part of the gigantic cocktail of the game. And, of course, I did get to see a guy in Plata Sol go arse over tit on a kind of Segway-type thing. He fell over. And I don't know if there's anything much funnier than somebody falling over. Of course, you know, if they hurt themselves really badly, that's not that funny. It's still a bit funny, but not that funny. But this guy, he wasn't that hurt. He just kind of dented his pride as much as anything else. And I'm not saying that's my favorite memory from the uh, trip, but it's up there. It's up there. Okay, let's uh, let's do a bit more and let's chat to somebody who was at the Madrid game covering it for Football London. It's Charles Watts. Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm not bad, Andrew. Bit tired and all that, but uh, but pretty good. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I think people see uh, journalists, for example, going to cover an Arsenal game and think it's really glamorous. And I was obviously following your Twitter there the other day, and you were waiting around for ages and ages for Arsene Wenger to show up at the press conference. Uh, you're you're operating on limited sleep, I, I, I believe. It is far from a, it's far from glamorous. I mean, I can't complain. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a great job to have, but yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's not a, it's not the dream that everyone thinks it is with these these away trips. It's a, I think I left my house at four in the morning on a, 
on Wednesday, um, you know, a couple hours sleep, got to Gatwick, and then uh, yeah, spent the day waiting around for Arsene Wenger to arrive and working through to the evening. A little bit of sleep that night, and then, yeah, haven't slept since 7am on Thursday morning uh, to work through the night uh, last night. Oh. Not too good when it's a defeat either. You kind of don't mind it when it's a when it's a win, and you can uh, kind of celebrate yeah. and write write about it. But when it's a pretty horrible, heartbreaking defeat like it was last night, it's never never fun to go over it. No, too exactly, exactly. When when it's good and when you win and when you're happy, you can kind of compartmentalize that tiredness. You can put it away. But uh, the minute the uh, you know the the final whistle went yesterday, uh, I, I can imagine the tiredness took over, and I could see it in the in the stadium as well. When uh, all the Arsenal fans were waiting to get out, we were kept back in. Um, some of the some of the fans, I, I I guess they they thought Madrid in May is going to be really really warm. And while it was quite warm <laughs> in the in the daytime, if you were in the direct sunlight, there were guys in the stands last night with short shorts. And I think this must be a trend, uh, clearly not one I'm uh, aware of, but very short shorts and quite tight t-shirts. And these guys were absolutely freezing. Uh, <laughs> you, you can kind of count me kind of as one of those guys. I wasn't quite to that extreme. I wasn't in short shorts and short and a short t-shirt, but I forgot my jacket. The whole re- whole reason I took it was for the match, and yeah, uh, yeah and I forgot to take it with me. And by uh, by full time, it was pretty cold. Yeah, like you said, very nice in the sunshine. Enjoyed walking around Plaza Mayor, speaking to the Arsenal fans in the sun. Uh, during the day, but yeah, when that sun went down, it didn't offer it, it took no. breath away a little bit. No, no, no. And then when you're being you know, waiting around in a stadium to get out, and people are getting a bit crotchety and a bit antsy, and they're going, "Come on, Gillis, get out of here!" And they sort of did it in stages where we were let out of the uh, the stands, and then we were held in the corridors, and then it was oh, it was pain pain in the arse. But you know what can you do? This is part and parcel. Again, after a, when yeah. it's a win, it's not too bad, isn't it? You can always exactly. have a few sing, have a bit of a sing song, but when it's a the defeat is kind of those those minutes tick by very slowly. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the "We Want to Go Home" song, you know, doesn't <laughs> doesn't uh, cheer you up that much for that long. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we all want to go home at this point. So, what what did you make of um, last night in terms of the the performance? In ter- I mean, obviously, there's no point talking about what the result means and what the defeat means or how you feel about that because obviously, gutted and heartbreaking when you get to a European semi final. You know, I I think. Uh, people are right to give Atletico Madrid a lot of credit for the way that they play, for how organized they are, for how disciplined they are, for how defensively solid they are. I mean, they are absolute masters of shithousery. There's no question about that. Diego Simeone's imprint is all over that team. You know, even the small things, breaking up attacks. The minute we get a free kick, they stand over the ball or they put the ball away. You know, they, they, they do all these kind of things which are cynical and terrible when you're on the other end of it (laughs) but if I saw Arsenal do it for example I don't think I'd be that unhappy Um, but we can acknowledge all those good things about Atletico Madrid and acknowledge that it was a tough situation for us to be in but we can also say that Arsenal didn't quite play to their potential and didn't really make the most of uh, the attacking quality that we have in the side Oh, it was it was disappointing. I don't think there's any way other way you can look at it. Really, I thought, especially in the second half, I thought they did all right in the first half. You know, they sort of kept themselves in the game. They had to get through that first twenty minutes or so. Although saying that, the, the sort of quick start that I was anticipating from Atletico never really, never really materialised. I thought Arsenal dominated much of the ball mm. well in the game. Then the goal right on half time. I don't know if that knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit, but you were kind of expecting, weren't you, a bit of a kitchen sink type scenario in that second half. You need a goal. You've got to score to try and get yourselves into a final. Um, having worked so hard to get to the semi-final, it just never materialised. I mean, Oblak only had to make one save. and 
it was just it was just disappointing. I thought there was no real tempo. There didn't seem any real urgency to try and get that goal. They got into a few nice positions. I mean, the final ball was dreadful mm. um, throughout in the first half and second half because they did get in good positions down the flanks. And Monreal and Bellerin just had, had a shocking night, really, both of them. I thought Bellerin was really good in the first leg. It was the best he's played in a long time, but uh, he was poor last night. And that was where Arsenal really wasted their chances because they didn't create too much in terms of shots on goal. I mean, I think like, Black only had to save from Xhaka, that was it. And then you had... Mkhitaryan's volley that went just over but um, they did create some good opportunities but the final ball was so poor but on the whole you know I came away, I came away from it just really disappointed thinking they didn't didn't seem like they really showed the urgency you know all the talk was oh we want to do it for the manager blah 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 but when it came down to it on the pitch didn't really look like it I didn't think there was no they weren't busting a gut it was just I don't know I thought Atletico were, were fairly comfortable They can, and then they are fantastic they're a throwback they're a they're a one-off almost in a pretty much in an era where defending has been forgotten about when you look at yeah. the two teams even in the champions league final this year liverpool and Real, you know, poor defensively and um it just pretty much all the teams concentrate all the new breeder managers concentrate on this attacking football all about the press but kind of forget about what happens at the back when uh, the ball does get turned over but atletico are really good they're masters of what they do simeone's fantastic job i mean it was a Watching God, God in last night, it was uh, it, mm. it was unbelievable the positions he got himself in. He just cleaned up everything. But even so, having said all that, I still expected more from Arsenal in that last, certainly in the last half an hour, 20 yeah. minutes. And it just never materialised, which I thought was really disappointing. Yeah, particularly for, for the last half hour or so. You know, whatever about being cautious, you know, in a game where you know you have to score, you don't want to concede uh, twice or, or um, put the game in a really difficult position. But when it's, you know, you're a goal down, uh, you still need to score that goal and there's half an hour to go. You know, I thought Mkhitaryan could have come on on, on a bit earlier. Uh, I thought just to change something, maybe we should have brought Iwobi on because it wasn't working with the players that we had on there anyway. I think we should have done everything that we could have done in order to to score and I'm not sure that we did. So that was that was a disappointing thing. I mean, I, I watched uh, at the final whistle, I watched the players slumped to the ground and head in the hands and some of them were, were very clearly visibly distressed by the fact that they hadn't uh, they hadn't managed to do it on the night but yeah the, there just was this sense that we were second best throughout the throughout the game yeah they were I mean, to, to be honest I mean Arsenal lost the game in the first leg yeah uh, overall going go to Madrid is always going to be difficult you just look at their defensive record and you know it's going to be very tough over there but Arsenal they created comfortably enough chances to pretty much finish the tie in the first leg. You know, you're playing against 10 men for 80 minutes, created plenty of chances. You know, the, the game really should have been over with at full time at the Emirates and then to, to not take the chances, but then to sort of on top of that, give away such a ridiculous goal late on when you're in complete control and Atletico offering nothing going forward to, to gift them a goal the way they did. Um, that was where the tie was lost. It was always going to be difficult going there with a 1-1 one month in the first leg it's going to be really really tough yeah. um, and the Emirates that's what they'll look back on that's what Wenger will look back on that's what the players look back on and really be really be kicking themselves yeah. I mean Wenger was destroyed in the press conference yesterday when he came in it was it was kind of tough to watch um, you know I'm an, I'm an Arsenal porter but I'm, you know, I freely admit I'm an Arsenal fan I've been I mean a season to go out of 30 odd years I've been there the whole way through the Wenger era and got so much respect for the guy always always will you know and seeing him seeing him yesterday almost like a broken man at the end of it knowing his time was up knowing that was his last chance to get in a trophy and kind of felt like there was a realization in the room with him 
that that was it. It was all over. You could kind of see it in him, and it was it was tough to watch. And it looked like there was tears in his eyes as he was trying to answer the questions. And that was a really sad thing. It was just sort of leaving the stadium. It just you know it was the end of the era. You knew it was the end of the era. Yeah. We were all hoping for the fairy tale ending, and unfortunately, it's not going to come. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I'm the same in terms of the, the the respect that I I will have for him and for everything that he's done, and I, I find him still uh, an interesting and likable man. But mm. w- perhaps this two leg uh, semi final is an exact indication of why things need to change. You yeah, know, one hundred percent. Yes, I mean yeah. it was it was the classic. I mean, just looking at it, it's exactly. I wrote a piece when when Wenger came all those years ago. He sort of took over a, a team who we're in the UEFA Cup as it was now and now he leaves it mm. the team that are very much a Europa League team and that's what's happened the last few years the decline's been pretty steady and the FA Cup wins kind of masked it, masked it a little bit and at least you had a trophy to celebrate but I think this year with that defeat last night no trophy and Arsenal are the sixth best team in the Premier League and that yeah. kind of says it all and that's happened under Wenger's watch it's just the decline's been steady his time been and gone you know my, my view he should have left after Hull he certainly should have left after Chelsea whether the club was in the right stage for that to be able to happen. Uh, I suppose it's up for debate, and it is now. So uh, the time is 100% is right, um, whether Ivan did shepherd him out the door, which it pretty much did, um, <laughs> is, is another thing. But uh, the time is right, and I think yesterday it certainly showed that Arsenal don't win those big games anymore. It's just it's, It just doesn't happen, you know, whether it's the Champions League or now the Europa League. When you come up against the very best, they come up short, mm. and it, it just—it's it, certainly away from home, and I think that was a, that was the case again last night. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I you can't help but go back to that first leg because of the huge advantage that we had. The the opportunity, I think, was there, and I think uh, Wenger teams in the past would have made the most of that opportunity, where your opposition are down to ten men, the manager has been sent off, you're going to play eighty minutes against ten men. And, you know, to to come away from that game with a 1-1 draw, you know, as much as we all wanted to hope. And, I, you know, I went to that game hopeful, not confident, but hopeful that just maybe we could pull something out of the hat. But when you pass up an opportunity like that in the first leg to take a commanding lead to Atletico Madrid, you know, the dynamic of that game would have shifted, you know, so differently and so completely if we'd taken a two-goal or a three-goal lead into that game. They would have had to play, not necessarily, It's not that it's against their strengths, right? Clearly, they're brilliant uh, defensively, but we're better uh, offensively than we are um, defensively. And if they had to come and attack us, there's probably the potential for us to, to counter-attack uh, to find some space in behind them as they come looking for goals, you know. And I don't think they're a team to really look for goals either. It's not. Just, yeah. I don't. They've obviously got Costa and they've got Griezmann, very good strikers. But I don't think they're the team if, if they're really chasing a game. I'm not sure they've really got that that in them. They're very much hold what we have type type team, and that's exactly the situation they're in last night. So it's great for them. Even at the Emirates when they went down to ten men, I know it sounds stupid and, and stuff, but there, there's no better team to go, be in that situation than Atletico it, it just allowed them to drop even deeper when they went down the 10 men and just sit on that edge of the box And um, but Arsenal still like you said they still had the chances to uh, yeah. to finish that game off in the Emirates and that like I said that's, that's exactly what they'll be kicking themselves with now they, they had their chance in North London and they blew it yeah. basically with poor finishing and then the classic Arsenal West defending at the end which kind of <laughs> had 
had me thinking of Oberfemi Martins and that sort of thing. It was just that you yeah. couldn't have got a more Arsenal goal to concede than that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm having nightmares just thinking about it again. But uh, where where do you think this leaves the the last few games of the season? Because we've had this outpouring of sentimentality towards Arsene Wenger in the wake of his announcement that he's leaving. But propping that up in a, in a way was the fact that there was still something to play for yeah. in the season with the Europa League, a European trophy. You know, we have this dream of Arsene Wenger lifting a trophy to, you know, in his final game for the club. It would have been against Marseille as well in Lyon, you know, on home soil. Um, it now maybe feels a little bit anticlimactic or underwhelming. Uh, you know, oh, does some of that? It does. It Sunday does, is going to be a strange, strange it's gonna day. Be, I yeah, think. I was just going to say to you about Sunday is like, I know they've got all this stuff planned, and I think, you know, he should absolutely get a fantastic reception on the final day, uh, the final game that he's going to manage at the Emirates Stadium. But underpinning that is going to be this disappointment this feeling that we did not make the most of a, a great chance to to get to a european final and to to lift that trophy as well as the idea that part of part of why we haven't been able to do that is part of why this change is happening this summer mm-hmm. i think it's going to be a really strange day for, for arsenal for the club for what they've got planned on sunday i think they re- they really really needed arsenal to win Last night, it's going to be it's going to be a strange atmosphere, and it's a lot of stadium. Even for, to say thank you to Arsene Wenger, I think it's going to be a it's going to be quite a challenge now, given the mood around the place after what happened last night. So, it, it's going to be a strange day. It really is, and I mean they've got to win. They've got to be Burnley because if they, if they lose that one on Sunday, and then they expect fans to to stay around and join in the sort of festivities, if you want to call it that, after the game, I'm not quite sure they will. And I think we could well be seeing a sort of half-empty stadium mm. saying thank you to Arsenal Wenger, which is going to be really sad. But it, again, it's kind of the sign of the times, really. It's, uh, it just feels like that that stage where the whole stadium is going to come and say thank you to Arsenal has kind of been and gone a few years ago. And yeah. The divide is so large now. The the gap is so wide between the, the uh, Wenger out and the Wenger in. Uh, sections of the fan base. So I think I don't I don't think you're going to see a full stadium and uh, come what an hour after the full time whistle on Sunday. I just can't I can't see it happening. So I think it's going to be a little bit sparse and that's going to be sad because a bit awkward. And um, like I said, it is going to be awkward. And, and, and uh, you know, I'd, I, I'd, again, as I said, I've got so much respect for the man and what he's done. Um, and I'd like to see him go out with the whole stadium cheering his name and saying thank you and 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 whatnot. But Fortunately, I'm not sure that's going to be the case on Sunday. Yeah, we'll have to. Obviously, it, it will be dependent on the result and the performance as well. Not that you know, winning against Burnley is going to get everybody excited, but just the natural uh, uplift a win gives you, or a good performance and some good goals. It's enjoyable, you know, to see a team play like that. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, we should point out as well that it's not just Arsene Wenger uh, for whom these celebrations or these, uh, these commemorations, the wrong word, I'm not quite sure what to call it. Um, you know, Arsene Wenger's last game, Per Mertesacker is retiring. Vic Akers, who's been such a great servant to the club down the years, not simply as, as the kit manager, but uh, manager of uh, Arsenal ladies as they were then, uh, you know, mm. a hugely successful manager. Um who else? Uh, Alex Scott, of course, is retiring. Scott, yeah. You know, the Arsenal women's captain. So there's a lot more than just Arsene Wenger going on on Sunday when it comes to the lap of celebration or whatever you want to call it. Lap of appreciation, I think that's that's what they call it. So, you know, hopefully that might keep a few more people in, in the stadium. But, yeah, I think, you know, if we'd had a European final on the horizon, it would be... a. It'd be a, a a fuller a fuller house, I think. Um, yeah, it would have been it would have been a, a different story. I mean, there there are. It's not just going to be about Sunday. I think there's certainly going to be more permanent sort of uh, 
thank you to Wenger, uh, whether it be a statue or whether it be possibly a stand name, I think it's more, uh, more likely at the moment. I think mm. one of the stands might well end up being called the Arsenal Wenger stand. Um, so there will be a more permanent memento um, to or permanent tribute towards Arsenal Wenger for what he's done for the club and certainly in this era and what he's done with the stadium, which I think is right. Um, uh, but I, I am looking forward to I have to admit, I, can't, I am looking forward to this new appointment being being made and just going into the summer with a new fresh approach I just think it's going to be it's, maybe it's just that, that feeling of you know it's just something new something fresh to get everyone excited and that's what everyone needs and it's just going to be nice going into the pre-season with a different manager in the dugout I think with different ideas and I think yeah. for the players as well it's going to be good for them it's going to revitalise them because um, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that this squad of players is not as bad as, it's, as it looks this season I'm sure a, new, a, a change of management a change of coaching structure can get more out of this squad. I'm not saying it's that they're going to go back into the top four straight away without any new additions, but I do think they'll improve because I think there's there's more quality in this squad that they've shown this season, no doubt about it. Do you? I mean, do you envisage the new manager, whoever he is, coming in with a swinging his axe and getting rid of X, Y, and Z players, um, or? You know, is part of the reason or part of the frustration that we've had over the years is the fact that we can see that there are good players who just aren't necessarily able to produce on a consistent basis, and maybe that's what we're looking for a new manager to be able to do. I think it's a bit of both, but it's not just going to be a new manager coming and wielding the axe. I think that's the key thing with this appointment in the summer. It's very much he's very much coming in, going to be a sort of head coach as, as part of a management structure, yeah. working alongside Mislintat and and, and Sanlai. It's a it's going to be a whole new, whole new sort of era. Arsenal, a whole new coaching setup, whole new management structure. Um, so I don't think someone's going to come in and do that. And you're not going to have the power to wield the axe. It's going to have to be an agreement between pretty much the three of them and possibly Ivan as well. Um, so it's going to be very much sort of brought in line with the uh, uh, kind of how the rest of Europe operates, really, at most of the yeah. most of the clubs. And um, and I think that's going to be interesting just to see how Arsenal adapt to that because it's been such a a one-man show for so long now. It's going to be interesting to see just how it, how the um, link-up goes, how the relationship goes between the three in terms of the the sign and something. I think Sven's already shown that he's going to be bringing the bringing the names in, and I think that whoever comes in is going to have to agree to that. And obviously, he'll have a bit of his say, but yeah. I think Sven's going to rule, rule the roost when it comes to the transfers. And I think he's shown with Sil Mavropanos at Old Trafford that was the first one, uh, the first certainly the diamond eye type sign-in that we've seen from Missland Hat and yeah. early signs are that he could be a, he could have found an, another gem obviously a long way to go to actually to, to prove that but he looked good I thought he looked strong I've seen him in the t- under 23s and he looks decent and I think that's the sort of sign-in that Arsenal are going to have to go for now because I don't think you, you're not going to see certainly not another Aubameyang type sign-in or a Lacazette type sign-in the money's just not going to be there this summer um, they're going to have to they're going to have to identify players get them in fairly decent price uh, if they want to add a little bit more money they're going to have to shift someone out um, or a couple of people out um, so they're going to have to work pretty they're going to have to work to a pretty tight budget there's not going to be hundreds of millions for the new guy to, to spend which I think is going to rule why Enrique is not not going to be in the running yeah for this. I was just going to say that like uh, if you're an established manager and you're looking at this Arsenal squad and you want to make them a force again you'd be coming in saying look I need I need uh, more than what you're telling the public you have yeah. to spend, whether it's 50 million, whether they're you know playing their cards close to their chest. They don't want people to know they've got more money. But I think that's just uh, the accepted uh, transfer budget uh, that's going around based on the figures that are in the public domain and everything else. Uh, that's why I agree with you. I think if we're talking about an Allegri and Enrique, a manager like that, uh, I don't think you can get that manager 
without giving him sufficient uh, funds to spend on on the players that he wants, not necessarily the players that the new football executive committee, if we can call them that, they're they're the ones that seem to be targeting these players. I mean, yeah. you, you could look at the you could look at the uh, the signing of Aubameyang as exciting and all as that was. We did at the same time rid ourselves of an effective striker. <laughs> For it cost. It cost. It's an interesting point. That really did cost. Olivier us. Giroud, yeah, in, yeah. in the Europa League, it cost Arsenal big time now because they couldn't play Aubameyang. So you left basically with just one senior striker, and the and you saw game changer that you had on the bench was no longer there, and uh, it really did cost Arsenal in the competition that ended up being the most important competition to them. Mm. What happened in January really cost them. I'd love to know how much of how much of what went down in January was was of Wenger's own uh, construction, if you like. Because would he really have wanted to get rid of a striker? Uh, you know, I think we all realise that Giroud was, um, you know, at, th- at this point in his career, he wasn't going to be the main man for us ever again. He wasn't going to be the guy who was going to be starting week in, week out as, as our centre forward. But as he proved time and time again, he was a very useful player to have on the bench, uh, to come off the bench and score you important goals. And that was something we really missed. I mean, for the last uh, three rounds of the Europa League, I think our only striker on the bench is uh, Eddie Nketiah. And as, uh, yeah. as promising and all as he is, you know, he, he's not he's not ready uh, at this level. So I, I do wonder, um, maybe we'll find out in Arsene Wenger's book whenever he gets around to writing it, how, how much of what happened in January was of his um, decision. That's going to be a big book, I tell you, when that comes out. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be an interesting read. It certainly is. I think in terms of January, I think he had a little bit of a say, but Sven was Sven was certainly leading things in January. I think the Mavropanel sign was really interesting because it was the first one that Wenger just had no say in at all in, basically. He was brought in totally above Wenger's head. First time that had happened since Wenger had been on board, and that was a real sign of the times of how they were changing um slightly different with Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang I mean Vieira, uh, Wenger wanted Mkhitaryan he tried to get him before so I think he was certainly involved in that one and the same with Aubameyang uh, but if Wenger had said no to those two strikers uh, to those two signings I, I don't think Arsenal would have pulled the plug if you uh, if you see what I mean I think it was certainly yeah. uh, being done with his knowledge but not being driven by him um yeah and and they would have known I mean I, Ivan Ivan wouldn't uh, certainly knew what was going to be happening this summer um, barring a miracle and Arsenal finishing in the top four or, or, or yeah, I don't even winning the Europa League wouldn't have done it uh, but finishing the top four maybe would have kept him in the job but uh, I think it was pretty clear by who he brought in following at the end of last season with the appointments of Miss Lantat and Sanelli that uh, Ivan was planning for this summer was going to be the uh, the one where Arsenal moved on. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the uh, long fabled catalyst for change, if change, you like. Indeed. I mean, there's you know we, we should talk, or we don't need to talk about it. But we can say as well that there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on behind the scenes uh, over the last twelve months in terms of appointments that were made, uh, not necessarily not necessarily without Wenger's knowledge, but they didn't require his approval, if you like. No, um, I, I mean, certainly I coming in and just giving him the name head of football relations rather than football, uh, director of football was uh, yeah. was quite funny. Just to just to keep Wenger on side, even though that's exactly what his <laughs> job title was, but just to make sure that he didn't have a director of football that he had to had to uh, speak to was yeah. uh, 
I thought was quite a nice touch from Ivan, but I think we all know what that appointment was about. Yeah, exactly. Def- definitely not director of football, uh, no, as I've not called him a number of times. Uh, and, and I think as well, Darren Burgess, the uh, the fitness guy, came in, and that was that was not um, that was. Uh, that was a situation that you know that wasn't Wenger who went looking for him. We should no. um, we should say that. No. So, and so and even his farmy coming over from Sky as well. You know, as contract negotiator yeah. and Dick Law, Dick Law gone. being moved, yeah. moved moved aside. Uh, it was all being done with view to what was going to happen this summer. I think it was pretty clear. And I, you know, Arsenal's not a silly man. He's a very clever man. He would have known exactly what was going on. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I think you could tell just just recently in some of his press conferences the way he's been talking about it that he knew what was uh, what was happening and. Um, so yeah, it was no. So uh, the, the timing of the announcement was a surprise. Given, I think we all kind of most of us expected it was going to happen in the summer, but the actual the way it came out all of a sudden uh, that morning was uh, it was pretty dramatic. But yeah. I think sort of deep down we all kind of knew it was going to happen in the summer. Yeah, I just uh, one couple couple of quick final things. One was just going back to what we were talking about players and identification of players and the 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 profile of the players. I wonder if the the profile of the new manager might tie into that in a way as well, that if we're going to go with somebody perhaps who's relatively inexperienced, maybe who's a young coach, who's going to come in and, uh, and work uh, within the structures that they put in place and within the budget that they put in place. I wonder, will there be a bit more focus on young players? Um, you know, some of the players that are at the club already and some of the players that they're going to bring in. Rob Holding just got uh, a new contract. Callum Chambers, uh, I think, has in the last couple of games shown that there's a player in there um, who, could do a, who could do a job for us. Maybe with somebody, uh, a coach who's a bit more defensively focused and give them that kind of a training. You know, there are young, good young players at the club you know, could we be going towards not necessarily a project youth in the same way Wenger did it, but something similar in that we do buy these players and try and build them uh, into something more than they are right now? I think I think that will be the case. I think you kind of look at the Dortmund model and I think that is where that is kind of how Arsenal are now shaping up to to run things. I've obviously got in the two experienced guys in the last year. You bring in Lacazette and you bring in Bamiang and Mkhitaryan, three of them, sorry. And, you know, they're all fairly experienced straight into the first team, but I think from now on, from this summer onwards, I think you're, you're certainly going to look at those younger players being identified by by Mislintat and brought in with the hope of building a, a young team. And to be honest, I think that's the way to go because Arsenal aren't going to spend a load of money and be able to outspend Man City or do what Man United yeah. do every year and, and shell out all those millions. It's not going to happen. So you've got to try and build something again, um, like you said, and hopefully it's not as long and drawn out project, mm. project as it was before. But um, I think you look at um, you know, Max Mayer, someone like that. You know, Arsenal absolutely want Max Mayer. It's free transfer um, in the summer. A lot of other interest in him, so it's not going to be easy to, to get him, but they certainly want him and they're pushing to get that deal done and he'll yeah. come in. I think he's only 22, 23. Mayer, you sort of look at that sort of signing. Um, Soyuncu, the uh, the young um, defender at Freiburg, the Turkish defender, the, again, they're certainly looking at him. Sven Mislintat's pushing for that one. I saw his interest in the, um, the, uh, the Freiburg I think the director of football came out saying sort of poured cold water on the the rumours that that deal was already done. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see that one happen. I think the game changes Koscielny's injury. I was just going to I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, because obviously uh, that was a very sad sight. I was. Uh, absolutely convinced in the stadium that Diego Costa had done him off the ball. That was the first thing. I just saw Koscielny on the ground and, and Costa standing right beside him. 
and I thought, oh, you fucker, he's done. I didn't see it, but he's definitely must have done him off the ball there. But sadly, sadly, he didn't. And actually, um, you know, he was much pretty as, nice. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. I don't want like I don't want to acknowledge that in any way. It makes me feel bad. But he was decent about it. You know, he he showed that perhaps there is uh, some human to the monster. Um, but you know, it, it was very sad to see because he only. Uh, suffer that injury if not a surprise that he suffered it because we know he's had this ongoing Achilles problem for for a long time and he's you know if people want to criticize him for mistakes or want to criticize him for performances I did hear some Arsenal fans being particularly unkind about him last night which I didn't I didn't enjoy at all uh you know Bear in mind that he is a guy who's been playing for uh, two years, maybe more, with a chronic Achilles problem. He's been playing through pain. He's been uh, having injections in order to play. You know, and this is a guy who's now suffered a fairly serious injury because of his desire to help the team and to, to play for the team and to represent and, you know, be the on-field captain when Mertesacker's not there. You know, I found it a bit bit um, out of order, to be honest, that people would criticize him uh, in the wake of that injury it's uh, it was sad to see yeah it's not a bit it's not a bit out of order it's bang out of order yeah yeah, yeah well that's fair enough social yeah, yeah. media about it, it was uh, like you said i mean look cause is he's been on like, eight years now he's been an absolutely fantastic signing for arsenal for eight million and he's uh he's you know, been absolute stalwart every day he has to have treatment on that achilles just to get him through to play every single day for the last couple of years injections non-stop treatment just to be able to play um, he's taken yoga up, uh, just anything to try and yeah. keep himself at the top level. And unfortunately, I caught up with him yesterday and, and it gave way. And I know he's not that old in terms of footballer. He's only, what's 31, I think 32 possibly. But an injury like that when he's had such problems with the Achilles, it's definitely out for at least six months, but it could well be longer. And you do worry about his uh, yeah. sort of long term future. And um, it was a real shame. It was horrible to see him in that sort of pain, and he saw with his teammates exactly how upset they were, and even Griezmann. You know, Griezmann looked absolutely distraught um, at, at it. So I think it was pretty clear just how bad that injury was. And Wenger confirmed afterwards it pretty much is definitely a ruptured Achilles, which is horrible. But in terms of what that does for Arsenal this summer, because they were certainly going to be bringing in one centre back, whatever happened in the summer. But yeah. now you kind of look at it; they have to bring in two. They're losing losing Mert- Mertesacker, who, you know, let's face it, he's a he's glorified cheerleader these days anyway but um, it's still a very experienced head to have around the change room and then you lose Koscielny as well you basically got Mustafi as your only experienced Senior, defender yeah. if you can really call it I know he's a World Cup winner but he's not that old and he's, he's not that good either <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's the key part of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then you've got Holden Chambers Mavropanos I mean you know that's not enough for a, yeah. a team who's supposedly going to try and launch an assault on Premier League and and European football next season. So you, you've got to get in another experienced defender, I think, with yeah. that. And, you know, maybe it'll be Socrates at, at Dortmund. It seems like they're looking at him. Uh, again, Mr. Tat knows him very well. Not had that good a season, by all accounts, over there. Um, but he, Or even someone like Johnny Evans. I think he's going to be available at three million <laughs> if West Brom go down. Just some sort of experienced defender yeah. to be able to bring in and help play alongside these youngsters and, and um, even help them more on the training pitch as well. So... I think that's a real game changer, that injury. It's going to yeah. really change the way. Because Arsenal are looking at three signings, definitely looking at a goalkeeper, centre-back and a central midfielder. 
in the summer. But I think now you've got to look at that as four because it's got you've got to be bringing in two centre backs. You have to. Sure, I mean, unless you're going to go all in with uh, with Chambers and Holding uh, and push them into seniority, um, given that you've given them new, both of them have had new contracts in the last couple of months. Holding uh, this week and uh, Chambers just before Christmas. So maybe maybe that might be part of uh, part of the way that they go. And I think when you look at Lauren Koscielny, he's going to be 33 in September to have that kind of an injury at this age you've got to ask some questions about whether or not he's going to return um to be anything like the player he was before so uh, it's it's definitely going to be a bit of a worry but look charles thanks a million for your time get some rest and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon yeah we'll do andrew cheers mate speak to you soon mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you very much indeed to Charles. You can find him on Twitter at Charles underscore Watts. That's at Charles underscore Watts. And he writes about Arsenal for football.london. Now... We do have a, uh, a momentous game in some ways on Sunday. It will be Arsene Wenger's last home game at the Emirates. In charge of the team he took over in 1996. The club do have some plans for a lap of appreciation for Arsene Wenger, for uh, some of the other people we mentioned, Alex Scott, Per Mertesacker, Vic Akers, uh, whose association with the club is changing. Vic Akers is retiring. Alex Scott is retiring. Per Mertesacker will be taking over the Arsenal Academy from next season. He will be the academy manager. And it will be the last time that Arsene Wenger sends a team out at the Emirates Stadium after uh, such a long time in charge. I do think there is going to be a slight element of anticlimax to the whole thing. The Europa League was keeping people's interest high, but I do think there will be a significant proportion of uh, fans who will be there and will want to say and acknowledge all the great things that Arsene Wenger has done for the club down the years. I don't know too many people, certainly nobody I spoke to over the last couple of days thought this is the wrong decision or the wrong time. I'm sure there are some people out there, and uh, that's a view you have to respect as well. There are people who would prefer uh, for Arsene Wenger to remain in charge, but that's not going to be the case. The club is moving in a new direction, whether it's upwards or sideways or slightly diagonal. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see who they appoint, what kind of a manager they're going to be able to bring in, what kind of a manager they want to bring in. That's the big question. And I suppose we'll find that out not long after the Huddersfield game. I can't imagine there's going to be an announcement beforehand, but 
it can't come too much long after the Huddersfield game because we need to get sorted. It's a short summer. There are lots of things to do. So we'll find out soon enough, maybe just over a week's time, we'll know who's going to be the new manager or the new head coach of Arsenal. Uh, I'm going over for the game. Hope to see some of you there. I'm not sure what to expect or even say about this particular fixture. How relevant is it to anything? I just don't know. But, uh, look, it would be nice for Arsene Wenger, I think, to go out with a win. It would have been nice for him to go out with a win against Atletico in the Europa League. I know, I know, I know. But for his final home game in charge at the Emirates, it would be, uh, it would be fitting, I think, if he went out with a victory. 7-6, 8-4, 12 something like that. Something crazy. Whatever it is, I hope we get the win. Thank you for listening to the podcast. There's no end bit today. Usually there's a bit after the music, but not today. There's just a blank space where our Europa League dreams lie in tatters or something. I don't know. Anyway, James and I will be here. No, actually, James and I won't be here on Monday. James isn't here because I'm going to be in London. I decided, oh, you know what? I'll hang around in London. I can do the podcast with James face to face. And then he emailed me to say, oh, I'm going to be in Wales that day. So I think I've got something else organized but I'll have to double check and make sure whatever happens, there'll be a podcast of some description on Monday. Apologies for the uh, slightly helter-skelter approach to podcasting this week, but you know, there is that old Irish saying, is there not? When you're traveling to watch your football team, sometimes you don't get to make your podcast the way you normally make them and the way that people are used to. But that's only to be expected, for you are not where you usually are. You are somewhere different, with different equipment and different circumstances. Thus, the things are different. It's a very, very lyrical language, Irish, even though that was, you know, in English and that. Thanks, folks. Catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.